Are y'all ready for this? Huh? Are you ready? Y'all got to get woke up. Now, I know half of you have an excuse. But everybody don't. So y'all got to get woke up this morning and get fired up with me. Um, we're going to go back to Psalms 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, part two this morning, if you like to title things. Uh, that was the best I could come up with. Um, I will share just a little bit of an experience that I had yesterday. Um, I, I, of course, the, what, the system that uh, Kevin and I have, or the setup, or whatever you want to call it, uh, with it being two of us, um, during the time that he's preaching, I, I try my best to um, stay on top of my studies and not let it go aside, but I don't write, I don't write down the sermons. Um, as I find them and as I study them, I, don't, I just take little notes and little reminders and put them away. So I still have my same routine when it's time for me to preach. Um, I spend the week studying what I'm going to preach on Sunday, and I spend my Saturdays um, taking notes and writing out what I'm going to do that particular Sunday. So yesterday morning, I got up and, and went out to the garage and uh, got on my toolbox and, and wrote out my notes and, and got that done. And while I was making notes, I made me a list of things I needed to do for the day. I told Amanda, if I don't make myself a list, I end up getting to Saturday night and going, I didn't do nothing today. I just completely didn't do anything. So I made me out a list of things I needed to get done during the day. Um, got through my studies and got on my list. And the first thing on my list is there's this uh, friend of Kirby and I's that's got a litter of puppies right now, Labs. And he needs some, uh, what I call them marker collars. He's got seven puppies, and, and uh, as people come and, and give a deposit for a particular puppy, they can pick out a color and put it, a collar on them, and then he doesn't have to worry about keeping up with who picked what dog. And when somebody else comes, if it's got a collar on it's spoken for. If it doesn't, you can choose one of those. So I sat down yesterday morning and made seven of those, and, and I put them on my work table where I do all my paracord stuff. The last step in the process of making most of this stuff is to snip and singe, I call it. So I, you snip the excess off and I take a butane torch and, and heat that paracord up and, and melt the ends so it won't come untied. And I, I piled all those, I, I singed all seven of those and they ain't much more than a bracelet and laid them on my desk. And I got to the last one, and I thought, wow, I just go to the next thing on my list. I feel so great today. I'm making so much progress. So I throwed that last one in the pile, and I was fixing to leave, and I thought, I better go measure them drawers just to make sure I get the right length of slides. I could put some drawer, uh, slides on our chest drawer, drawers. Some of those came apart. And I went in there and took a drawer out and measured it, and <coughs> come back out through the garage, and I see this flame. It's on my workbench, and I'm going, oh, snap, something's on fire. <laughs> and I'm the only one home. Amanda and Montana and them are, are gone to Florence, and I was home by myself, and, and I went, holy smokes, all that. And that paracord, evidently one of those, I didn't cool enough before I put it in the pile, and it laid there and smoldered, and it was, and it was a big ball of uh, the plastic buckles and the uh, paracord, and it was just, I mean, it was, it was, burning pretty good on my on my table. And I go over there and I, I put it out and, and tap it down and, and I stood there looking at it. Of course my heart's racing. Of course it wasn't 
you know, it, it's a spot this big and a flame this high. But what my mind first went to is what I was going to do was leave. That's where I was going, was to leave. And had I left, I'm not a real organized person sometimes, Ronnie, so there's plenty of flammable materials on that desk, on that workbench, that would have, it, that flame would have been bigger than that little ball had I left. And I get that put out and I'm, I'm gathering my thoughts and I'm thinking and I had just gotten up from writing this, these notes for this message and I just kind of stood there in the corner looking at it going, God is my shepherd. <laughs> because if he had let me leave, I don't know what would have happened. I may have been standing here before you this morning preaching a message without a home to go to this afternoon. The Lord is my shepherd. And this morning, um, after I got done with that and, and, I, and I got my nerve back down and whew, took that deep breath, I went ahead and, and uh, went, made my run to, to Home Depot or whatever. And, um, in the midst of doing what I need to do, I sat down with my Sunday school lesson because I had remembered on my trip that there were some things that it said that related to all of that. And it, and it talked about us Removing the wow from God. We get so complacent in our daily walk that we don't realize the miraculous things or give credit to God for the miraculous things that He does in our lives on a daily basis. We get complacent. And when you lose that all in that relationship, then that relationship tends to lose its priority as it loses its all. Because most of you, like Kevin said in Sunday school this morning, did not wake up this morning and jump up and down in praise that he woke you up this morning. That he provided another breath for you this morning. It takes these tragic things, it takes these scary things in order for us to stop and, and be in awe of God. My intentions were to leave. <laughs> Had I left and shut that garage door, and you can write it off as coincidence if you want to. I refuse to. I got back home and stood there in that corner in awe. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. How tragic would it have been for my wife and daughter to get back home and had no place to sleep? How tragic would it be? And it could have been, if not for the sovereign hand of God. Amen. And it takes a lot of times we, we overlook these little things. And, and that's what I've been trying to get across in, in talking about the Lord is my shepherd. is for you to have a clear understanding, and not just in your thought process, but in the way that you live your life, the way that you go about your daily routine. The Lord is my shepherd. We established last week, what a magnificent thing it is for David who had been a shepherd to write those words and his understanding of what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does and the importance of a shepherd and what a good shepherd looks like and how you define a good shepherd by looking at the sheep. If they're in horrible, deplorable conditions, then the shepherd's probably not very good. If their wool is worth a lot, they're putting on fruit, you may say, that's probably a pretty good shepherd. We're a representative of our shepherd. And we have to live our life like that and then continually give him praise and stay in awe 
of the fact that I have a relationship with the creator of all things. We move to the second part of that this morning. We'll start back in Psalms 23.1 and read through 6, but we won't start our study all the way from the beginning. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. <coughs> Psalms chapter 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father and our God, I, I come to you this morning just as humbly as I know how, Father, to praise your name. To thank you, Father, for your undeniable presence in everyday life. Thank you, Father, that you are my shepherd. I praise you, Father, because of your grace, your mercy. I'm so thankful for your love and your forgiveness. I ask you, Lord, to guide me through this message this morning, that you would open the hearts and minds of those in attendance, that you would allow those that will hear this via the Internet to be directly impacted by your word, not my talking, by your word and your teachings. Father, I pray for your continued guidance. Praise you, Father, for allowing me to be a part of a body of believers that have such a desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for them. Thank you for those that support all that you try to do through this body. I pray right now that you edify this body through your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. We talked about last week, we established the importance of... of um, David pinning those words with his experience in being a shepherd. We talked about uh, because he's my shepherd, I shall not walk. We talked about de uh, deciding the difference between needs and wants. We, we covered a lot of things. Now this week we're going to start at verse 4. And it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the understanding that this statement may really represent a place, a physical place. But also knowing that this entire psalm is a word picture. David is, is drawing a picture of things. So this is also representative of a perilously threatening environment. The valley of the shadow of death. A perilously threatening environment. I don't know about you, but I look around our society today and you know what I see? A perilously threatening environment. Kevin made the statement that the most dangerous place in the world to raise your children is the 
United States. Because we're so distracted by so many things that we are not in awe of God. Amen. And when we do that, when we live in that society, it, became, it becomes a very threatening place to live as a child of God. It becomes a very dangerous place to raise kids because there's so much to distract them. And the reason they're distracted because I'm distracted. There's so much in this world that distracts me. I, I, I'm a competitive person. I love to compete. I love to watch other people compete. We had a 30, 45 minute discussion this morning before church about our perilous balls. We're so distracted. And I told Ricky Lee when the conversation was over, I said, you know, brother, the, the toughest part of all of this for me is, is I have to, when I'm watching those games, remind myself that when I get up in the morning, that has zero impact on me. That's just for entertainment. That's just a distraction. And I should not allow this to have any... It can't control my mood. I can't wake up this morning depressed because they lost. I can't go to bed mad because they lost. I have to concentrate in my mind to keep those things from happening. You know why? Because that's a distraction for me. And it's real for me. It really is a distraction for me if I allow it to be. It can be a major distraction for me if I allow it to be. We live in a society that is full of all kinds of distractions, and that's one of them. That is included. It really is. It's not the only one. And it looks dark and it looks grim when you look out over this society and you understand those things and you see the fact that it is, it is the valley of the shadow of death. And it's easy to get down. And it's easy to be depressed about it. And it's easy to drag with our head down. Lest you forget that next thing. I will fear no evil. Now that's not because of who I am. I will fear no evil because of who God is. Remember, David started this with, the Lord is my shepherd. And as a sheep in his fold, I ain't got nothing to fear. As a sheep in his fold, even though I live in the most dangerous place in the whole world to raise a child, doesn't mean I should fear raising children here. But it does mean that I should be mindful of the fact if I get distracted, it's going to be bad for them and me. Amen? We've got to keep our focus. We've got to live with the mindset that the Lord is my shepherd. It, I've got to, because there's a lot of things out there to fear. I'm with, I'm, I'm with a nail. I get, I get caught up in that poli, poli, uh, political talk radio. I, I listen to all that garbage way more than I should I do. It's almost as bad as football. I'll get home some nights and go, you ain't going to believe what they're talking about. And she goes, calm down. Because it's easy to look out at what we see and hear what they're talking about and not be fearful. Because it's scary, y'all. This Yahoo over here in North Korea has got me nervous. That dude, the most dangerous thing in the world is a man with no brain and nuclear weapons at his hands. That's, he qualifies. He's nuts. He's nuts. 
It ain't no telling what he'll do tomorrow. Heck, it ain't no telling what he's done today and we just don't know about it yet. So when you hear that stuff and you listen to that stuff and you see this stuff going on, it's scary. And I have to remind myself that I have no need to fear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because I'm brave and I'm courageous? No, because God's God no matter what's going on down here. He's got to remember that He's bigger than anything in this world. And not only remember it, but we've got to live like it. Because that's where we fail most of all, in my opinion. We don't live like we believe that. We say it. I say it. But we've got to live like we believe that I have no reason to fear because God is who He says He is. I can't get tore up and broke down nervous over this stuff. Because everything here is temporary. Hey, if that Yahoo in North Korea don't do it, somebody else will. That's right. Right? This whole world is fading away right before our eyes. The conditions are getting worse and worse and more deplorable every day, right? We shouldn't be surprised. We should be the least surprised. We've been told it would be that way. But no matter what happens here, God is still on the throne. Now that doesn't mean I close my eyes and wander blindlessly through this walk, wander blindly through this life with my eyes closed and just everything, just keep a smile on my face and it's all going to be good. That ain't how it works either. I've got to live though like the Lord is my shepherd. And I have an understanding that that means I have nothing to fear. Because David's words here, because you are my shepherd, I will fear no evil. With God as my shepherd, I have nothing to fear. Now, you know, he's talking to people that would understand what it means for God to be their shepherd. He's talking in a time, in, 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 in a group of people, in a society where shepherds were pretty common. Not so much today. So you may have a disconnect between this relationship between the shepherd and the fold. And I get that. But let me show you a place where God wrote it in a way that you can understand it. This one will last throughout time. Everybody gets this. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Now, I also want you to understand that every person born into this world is not automatically into that fold. This is a place reserved for those who believe in Christ, for those who have established a relationship with God through Christ. This is the same way. The only way this counts for you is if you are a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ, if you have been born again. A second birth. The first birth didn't earn you nothing but a life in this old sinful world. Congratulations. Hope you enjoy it. It stinks. But that second birth gives you a right to some things. And one of those things is that the Lord is your shepherd. This here is a part of that. As many as received him, talking about Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right to become, this is what I was talking about, children of God. You may not get the relationship between shepherd and sheep. 
But everybody understands what it means to be a child of someone, right? Children of God, to those who believing in His name. That right was given to those who believe in Christ. So a, a part of that relationship, you get to be called a child of God. Who were born not of blood, just being born of blood, being born into this world, doesn't guarantee you, it doesn't give you a right to nothing except the miseries of this world. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You may not understand what it means for the Lord to be your shepherd. But can you grasp what it means for God to be your father? The provider, the protector, the one who watches over. Listen, the creator of the universe. There's no way there's anything here bigger than him. He created it. Right? You know, computers have taken over a lot of things in, in our society today. They do a lot of things and they are a big blessing in a lot of ways. But I want you to understand something. A computer can never be, I don't care who creates it or how, how much they put into it, how much they spend on it, how big it is, whether it's Apple or it's Samsung or it's whoever. A computer will never be smarter than the person that programs it. Right? Oh, they can program it to do things that you and I can't do because it can do it in precision, it can do it fast, um, it can do it with, with the least amount of mistakes. But it can only do as much as the person who programs it has the ability to do. Right? That's the creation always being under the creator. You see that? You get, can you get your mind around that? Because that's what this is between us and God. There's no way there's anything here bigger than Him. He made it. He created it. It can't be bigger than Him. It can't be smarter than Him. For the same reason a computer can never be smarter than the person that makes it. It's programmed. It's wired. It's created by somebody. There's nothing in this world bigger than my God, my Creator, my Father, my shepherd. Amen. Nothing. And I should live like that. My, my actions should scream that to the people around me. They should look at me, go through things and go, why come he goes through things differently than everybody else? How come he never, ne never you never see him uh, begging for this or begging for that? But he holds his head up with this confidence and he's in such a bad shape. Look at him. <laughs> but we don't. We, we run into things and we crumble just like the rest of the world. And then we stand back and wonder why nobody wants anything to do with my God. Well, it's because they've seen the sheep and went, that must not be a very good shepherd. Right? Whether you agree or not, it's right. <laughs> you know, you don't have to agree with something for it to be right. And it's a true statement. And it is, we should live like we have an understanding that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though we're walking in perilous times, 
Though we're walking in times that are, are, that are dark. Though we look and live in a society where sin is rampant. Though we live in a place where sin is renamed and it's made to feel fuzzy. So we'll get close to it and rub on it. That still shouldn't take the wind out of our sails. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Even though it's perilous times. Even though it, the, the future looks just dark. There's no reason for me to hang my head. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Now that doesn't mean that things don't hurt. That doesn't mean that I won't never suffer. It just means that I go about it in a different way than the rest of the world. Because of His presence in my life. I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep going with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you, you realize this is one of, one of the promises that every believer should have circled in their Bibles. We should know this promise exists. Do you understand what the presence of God means in a person's life? Do you realize that people have been healed by the presence of God? Do you realize that people have been brought back to life from the dead because of the presence of God? Right? That's that power. That's that awe. And we should all walk around going, wow, what a great God I serve. Wow, did you see him overcome that? I should stand in my garage and go, wow, thank you, God, because if I had done it the way I wanted to do it, my house may have burnt down. But because of who you are, you didn't let me leave. You made me hang around just long enough. And oh, it was, it's ugly. It made a mess. And all that work I did is out the window. But you know what? Still got a place to sleep. Thank you, God. And that's a, that's a little bitty example, y'all. That really is a very, very small example of the awe that we should have when we look at our God and we look at our lives and we can see His presence. Listen, His presence removes the fear of this life. His presence removes those chains that we just sang about. He, he really is a pain taker. When you rest in His arms, when you lay with your head in His bosom, knowing that His presence in your life is so much greater than anything we can face or anything we can have or anything they can tell us or say about us. When we have that understanding, when we have that knowledge, and the ability to live like that knowledge is at the forefront of every thought we have, God's presence is so big the creator of all things has a desire for a relationship with little old puny me. I can't even pronounce his name right most days. Right? Yet he wants a relationship with me. He wants to be present in everything that I do. Little old me. I just work on bulldozers and get nasty and make my wife mad when I get home because I get it in the house and on the doorknobs. Right? That guy, that's the guy God wants a relationship with. Little old you that does whatever you do. He wants a relationship. That speaks volumes. That speaks, and it should, that should really, really shape the way I live my life. 
is to know that the creator of the universe, whose thoughts are 15.5 billion light years above my thoughts, his ways are 15.5 billion light years above my ways. He wants a relationship with me. You know why? For his name's sake. So that he can be glorified. So that I can stop and go, you ain't going to believe what God just did in my life. And it looks so little, but man, if God hadn't have been there, what would it have been? He wants that relationship so I can bring glory to his name. In the times when it's so fearful in this world, when everything looks so crazy and out of whack. When I can have the opportunity to stop and go, it may be bad, but you know what? It ain't bigger than my God. And he can get glory for that. It was his desire. He put us here for that purpose to glorify his name. Yet we look at him and go, nah, coincidence. We look at him and go, I've seen that before. Don't we? You remember the first child? Remember the first one? All the feelings and the emotions? Remember what a miracle it was to see the birth of that child? What was your reaction to the second one? Nah, I've done that before. Am I right? Huh? I mean, just look at my family. I'm the oldest. <laughs> you get it, don't you, Ronnie? Ronnie goes, Peyton, you understand? Yeah. And then on that second one, you know, when I fell, the whole, the whole family was called and everybody knew. And they was questioned on how it was best to treat me during this horrible time in my life of a busted lip. When, when I busted Thomas's lip a few years later, Daddy didn't even know it. <laughs> right? By the time Elizabeth got here, whew, we get so complacent in things, don't we? Don't we get complacent? Don't we look at things and go, eh, I've seen that before. Eh, I've done that before. Don't we do that? Even in the miraculous things that God does in our lives, we do that. The first time that we stop and we call everybody. The second time we go, eh, by the third time, we, we didn't even notice it ourselves, much less tell somebody about it. And our whole purpose is to be here to bring glory to God's name at every chance that he gives us. The Lord is my shepherd. Keep going with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, a lot of times we look at a shepherd and we see that stick, and we figure it's because he's an old shepherd, right? And he's got to have help getting around. That's not the purpose of that stick at all. That stick has two purposes. Number one is to protect. Read about David's encounter when he talks about facing Goliath and he remembers the things he's already done that God allowed him to do in his life. And how he used nothing but his hands and a stick to kill a bear to run down a lion and take it out of his mouth, right? So that first, the first thing about that stick is it, it, it resembles or it reminds us of the protection of that shepherd and his willingness to do whatever he has to do to protect those sheep the same way God is with us. 
The second thing is correction. If, if they're sorting out the sheep for some reason, or they're herding up the sheep for some reason, or they're trying to get them into a, a, an enclosure of some kind, maybe to shear the wool, they'll take that stick and use it to, to put them in the right place, right? You know, God does that to you and I. His rod and His staff, they should comfort me for two reasons. Because I know He's my protector and because I know He's also going to correct me with them. Amen. That from time to time, He's going to take that stick and go, uh, back over this way, uh, uh, back this way. There should be comfort in knowing that God is my shepherd. It was comfort there for David. And he had a really good understanding of this word picture he's drawing because he lived it. He was the shepherd. Look at this next one. <clears throat> we may not get past this one. This may be as far as we go. I don't know. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you think about your enemies, you may think about people. You may put a face or a name beside enemy. I don't want you to do that this morning. I want you to go a different direction with this. I want you to see your enemy as anything that's keeping you from being exactly what God designed you to be to the fullest. Maybe that's addiction is your enemy this morning. Maybe jealousy is your enemy this morning. Maybe outbursts of wrath. Maybe drunkenness. Adultery. I want you to think about the things that are described in Scripture as fleshly things that we're told to avoid. Those are your enemies. And, and I want you to see that there's this great big wooden. Y'all ever been up to the Milky Way and seen that great old big table they got in that place? And I want you to see that size table. I want you to see that big, long, rectangle table with chairs all the way around it. And I want you to see that sitting at the head of that table is you. You're at that table. This is your dinner party. And I want you to look around that dinner party and I want you to see the faces of these things that are in this life that keep you from being what God desires for you to be. Keep you from doing what God, the things that have got you bound. We sang a song this morning about God being a chain breaker. You know, God didn't free you from one thing so you could go get bound up to something else. Right? God desires for you to view these things as enemies. And He desires for you to know and understand that He'll set you at the table with them fools. Because see, there ain't nothing in this world, even your enemies, bigger than your God. God's great big. You should live like it. So I, I should never have anything in my life that I look at you and say, I can't beat this. Because God is my shepherd. Because He gives me the power. He makes a table for me to sit down and eat in front of that thing. And it's got me bound plumb up. You know why? Because I'm trying to fight it like I ain't got no shepherd. I'm trying to fight it like God ain't big enough for that. I'm trying to fight it like I don't think He understands the position I'm in. When the reality is, He'll put you at, a, at the head of the table before your enemies. Who would your enemy be this morning? Who would be at your table this morning? And I'm telling you, don't, don't put faces. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. I didn't give y'all this verse this morning. If you could get there for me, though, I'd really appreciate it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. I always do this when Eminem's up there. I don't know why. I just like picking on him, I guess. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. And we're actually given a list of these things that are, that are told to be works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh. And I want you to read this list. And I want you to, in your mind, you decide if any of these would be the enemies that are set at the table that God has prepared for you in the face of your enemies. Would any of these be at your table? Adultery? Fornication? Uncleanness? Lewdness? Keep going, Zach. Oh, I messed them up and didn't tell them all of it. I didn't say 19 and 20. Probably 21, too. Idolatry? Sorcery? Hatred? Contentions? Jealousies? Outbursts of wrath? Selfish ambitions? Dissensions? Heresies? Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. That's the list. But notice something. And the like. Which means this is a list, but this is not a complete list. So there's still other things that could be your enemy this morning. There's still other things that could have you bound up this morning. There's still other things that could be added to this list. And this is where we get the scripture that tells us that he couldn't write it all in one book. Because if he did, the world wouldn't be big enough to hold the book. It's instances like these where he had to cut it off and say things like, and the like. There's other things. There's other, there's other stuff. That really could be my enemy this morning. That really could be seated at that table this morning. And let me, let me tell you where I'm going with this. What God spoke to me. Part of the reason that Christians live in fear is because of the people or the things that would be seated at their table. Addiction has them gripped with fear. Adultery has them gripped with fear. Outbursts of wrath and the like has, has folks gripped with fear. We, 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 we're unwilling to look at these things and, and, and point at them and call them enemies and go, God, I can't beat this, but you can. Who would be at your table this morning? I know who would be at mine. By the way, my table wouldn't be empty, just so you know. I'd have dinner guests. Sure. I'm working on it though. Since I've been studying this and looking at this, and thinking about what he's saying here, and thinking about David. And David, <laughs> David had a rough way to go, y'all. David had a table full of enemies. <laughs> he did. A big list. But you know what? He was able to continually do what God asked him to do because he never forgot what he wrote right here. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He 
knew that he would get to lay down in green pastures again. You know the part in there about he restores my soul? That's where this comes from. We all need that source of restoration because even today, if you cleaned out your table, even today, if you listed all the people that would be there and go, God, I'm done with that, I'm done with it, tomorrow you probably start another list. You're going to need restoration because you're human. You're part of a fallen creation just like I am. It's the nature of the beast. But that don't become a crutch where you can just go, oh, well, I'm human, everybody sins, and go on about your business. No, it's that knowledge of knowing that I, I'm the evil one that I have to accept so that daily I can look at myself and self-examine and get my list shorter every day. And go, you know what, I struggled with that today. Tomorrow that won't be the thing I struggle with. I may struggle with something, but it won't be that. And you keep checking these things off. Because the goal is to get to a place where I don't have a list. That's the goal. That's what I'm striving for. So that I can stand in the presence of my God knowing that he's happy with what I've done. And knowing that the whole time I recognized him as my shepherd. And he got credit for even the little stuff. There's so many things that bind us up and hold us back. Wrapping up. You anoint my head with oil. A sign of blessing. A sign of blessing. My cup runs over. Have you ever been in a time in your life where you looked around and went, God, I don't know why you picked me, but I'm so glad you did. Because I got so much, I ain't got no place to put it. There's so many blessings coming my way, I can't even, I'm going to have to write them down to remember them all. Have you ever been in that place? I have. They're usually little small places in life. You better write it down because the next day's probably not going to look like that. David said, my cup runs over. I'm lapping up out of the saucer. I can't drink it fast enough. You're blessing me so much. You're pouring so much into my cup. Man, if we could get focused on that day, if we could get focused on them times, if we could start giving God credit for everything he's done, every one of us would have a full cup. Every one of us. Oh, your cup may be different from mine. Your blessing may not have to the same texture as mine, but I promise you, your cup will run over if you just give him credit. If you just look at it and claim it as to what it is. Stop writing it off as coincidence. Stop believing that somehow two planets collided and bang, it all happened. No, it didn't. It's not happenstance. It's not by chance that I didn't leave yesterday. You can't convince me of that. presence of God. It's the favor of God. It's my cup running over. It really is. And it's me that has to be responsible for acknowledging that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, now we're getting towards the end of this psalm and David's, David's going to go on and lay it down for you, okay? Notice the this is the first reference of all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. David has looked it back over his life and went, you know, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, I couldn't have killed that bear. If it, was, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, I couldn't have handled that line. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, I don't deserve to be where I'm at today. If it, and he goes, sure. God's goodness. Surely. God's mercy will be present in my life 
all of my life. Because without it, I ain't going to make it. I'm not going to get there. I can't achieve it. Then he makes another declaration. And he says this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. David said, you know what? Because you are my shepherd and I have nothing to fear, because I don't have a want in this world, because I got plenty to eat, I got plenty to drink, because I know that it's because of you that I can even be where I am today, I want to make this declaration, and from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I want to be, I have a desire to be in intimate relationship with you, God. No matter what happens. Because you know what? If you don't make that declaration in your life, if you don't put a stick in the ground, if you don't plant your foot and go, as of today, from this day forward, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to trust God no matter what the rest of the world does. If you don't do that and you try to make that decision day to day, you're going to find yourself in a whirlwind and it's going to be so much craziness going on that you ain't going to make that decision at all. You're going to look up and be 50 miles from where you wanted to be in the presence of God and go, how did I get here? I can tell you how. You didn't plant your foot. You didn't put a stick in the ground and make that declaration. You never once decided inside of yourself that no matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. If you don't make that declaration, you won't be here in six months, a year, two years, whatever. Because something's going to happen. Your life's going to get crazy. Your life's going to get crazy. My life's going to get crazy. And if I ain't already decided that above anything else, I'm going to trust God. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I want to be in intimate relationship with God from this day forward. Then you'll look up one day and be plumb out of relationship and go, how did I get here? Well, you got there because things got crazy and you didn't plant your foot. You've got to do it with purpose. With reason. I'm going to ask our praise band to start heading this direction. They're going to come up here and, and play something. I don't know what y'all got on the schedule, but if if, if uh, chain breaker is possible, I'd like I'd like to do that. I don't normally do that. I've never done that, but I'd like to hear that this morning because of this. I want you, I want you to go back to that list of the folks sitting around your tables, the things that are holding you back and restricting you from doing the things God desires for you to do or going to places God desires for you to go for living the life God desires for you you do realize that he knows that a shepherd is judged by the sheep he wants you to have the he wants people to look at you and desire what you have and I mean spiritually not physically so he desires that for you because that's what brings glory to his name which is our whole purpose for being here right wants you to be in that place in your mind and in your spirit. So whatever the things are, whatever the enemies would be sitting around your table, I ask you to address those things this morning. I ask you to understand that nothing in this world is bigger than God. No matter how long it's been there, no matter how long it's laid there, no matter how much it's going to stink, if you mention it, no matter. Nothing in this world is bigger than God. Address those things. Hand them over to Him. Thank Him for that victory and move forward. Get ready for the next one. Do that this morning as we sing. Y'all stand with us.